Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. <clears throat> hey, good evening, guys. How are we doing? All right, so it's been a tough week for me, if you can hear it in my voice. Um, this time of year is particularly challenging for those who have allergies. Also, for those who live in a house that we believe God has blessed us with, but the thorn in our flesh is that we're allergic to everything in and outside of the house. So if I go and cut grass and then walk through the parking lot, I will be instantly congested. So I covered your prayers, at least in that, this morning, that, I mean this evening, that I don't choke myself trying to speak. I can tell by this crowd that you are not expecting me. <laughs> I can tell by this crowd that you are not expecting me. So I'm going to do my best <laughs> to fill that, that void that you feel like might be coming. <laughs> if you turn with me to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12. Tonight we're, we're going to talk about something that is familiar territory with probably most of you, and that is this, this time of the widow's might. This section of the Bible that I have heard at least two messages on this year before I even started studying for it. Uh, so it is a common and I would say even a well-known incident in the Bible. So I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but the details are important. The details are important. So if you turn with me, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 12, I will look at verses 38 through 44. We'll start up a little bit further up than normal. If you're all with me, say amen. And he said unto them in his doctrines, beware of the scribes who love going into long clothes and love salutations in the marketplace, and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feast, which devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers, these shall receive a damnation, greater damnation. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, behold, how the people, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a furling. And he called unto him, called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow have cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they, for they all did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did not did cast and all that she had, even all her living. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you have saw fit that we'd be here tonight, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us by spirit, that your spirit will open our minds and speak to our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that you will use me tonight to speak the words that you've 
wanted to hear, wanted to be heard, Lord, that I will be your herald, Lord, that you speak through me clearly and profoundly. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at a couple things. All right, we'll look at the context, the characters, and then the challenge of this, this idea with the widow's might. All right, probably going to go through this pretty quickly because my voice has got a timer on it. <laughs> so let's, let's look at what we're talking about. Uh, at this time in Christ's ministry, he is kind of towards the end of where, he was, where he's going to go. That is to the cross. He has having discussions with his disciples and those that are following him about what we would say the hypocrisy of the law and the traditions of the leaders at the time. So give me an example. So he, he in his travels, they come up to the rich young ruler in chapter 10, who he talks and says, what can I do to be saved? And Christ says, well, you need to sacrifice all that you have, but not just give it up, but to give it to the poor, with an indication that you're probably not going to get it back. But that was too much for him. So he, he walked away sad. Then he comes to the temple. And in his frustration and looking at what is going on with the money changers, with the corruption of the temple bank being turned into a place of profit for those who can pilfer, or in some cultures, the skim off of the top. And then he discusses further on with the, about the Pharisees as they come to challenge him to challenge his, his preeminence, to challenge his godly reign, to challenge his very being. And he looks at them and says, who, who are you guys to talk in so many words? What do you know about the scriptures? And he challenges them very, very details of the text. So at this point in where we come to this concept of the widow's might, he has spoken a lot and has now become a crystallized idea that Christ is concerned about the hypocrisy that is going on. And so now he sits down, having just talked about the disciples, I mean, just talked about the Pharisees and how they walk around with their robes, how they want the high places, how they want to be seated in the places of prestige. Yet at the same time, using the strong term of devourer, widows' houses, to eat, to take for their own consumption, for their own pleasure, what they can get from those who are lesser. So Christ about this time has probably had it. If we speak to his humanity, he's probably seen enough, but he knows he's coming to the end of his assignment. He knows he's coming soon to the completion of his work. So it seems that there's a desperation, if you will, to get this message out. So in this conversation that he's teaching his disciples, a prime example presents itself through the actions of the folks that he's actually talking to, the offering. The offering, a daily thing, perhaps a continuous thing at the temple where people will come make their offerings, pay their tithes, if you will. The setup was such as this, that they were 
brass horns bellowed out like trumpets. And you would throw your change in there. You would throw your coins in there. And everybody can hear how much you've thrown in. It was a public place. We know it was a public place because the widow, being a woman, was allowed in that sacred spot. And as you know, in that culture, there were places for women and there were places for men. So we know it was a public place where everybody could see what's happening. So we have these coins going into these brass tubes in a day where you can't write a check to pay your tithes. There's no credit card slip. There's no internet pay. So all that you give is exposed to the populace. We can see all your business. This is the context of what we're talking about. So let's look at the characters. So in these four verses that are so popular, yet only mentioned in two books of the Bible, Bible, we have the characters, the rich and a poor person. Those with plenty, those that have nothing. The rich who come in and open up their coffers and pour the coins into the offering bowls. Where the sounding of metal hitting brass rings across a hollow room, probably made of stone, and echoes and echoes. Whereas everyone who is in the area, if not able to visually hear what's going on, they will have an audible response of this metal hitting brass and just ringing down the tubes. These men who have probably received a place of prominence because of their richness. Because of their wealth comes automatic prestige. And with that comes the idea that so often corrupts us that says, look at what I have, look at what I can do. But that's not really the true indictment because the indictment that comes in that Christ says, hey, these guys are giving out of their abundance. I have enough. You know, I remember when I was a kid and guys would talk about how much money they had, every bit of $20, and feel like we could go spend it on anything. And then we would go buy McDonald's and make the comment, oh, that's, a, that's no hair off my back, that's nothing. I could do this every day. I would get $20, and the minute I spent 10 cents, it would resolute in my head, man, I no longer have $20. So now I am a little more thrifty because I want to save, preserve that $20. Not sure when I'll get it again. But these men pouring in money and money. Now, let's not get distracted because there's nothing sinful about being wealthy. Not at all. The gifts of your talents that has made you wealth, that God has provided your needs, that God has given you the ability to provide your needs and perhaps the needs of others. There's nothing wrong with that. We need that in the church. <laughs> we need that. 
but the problem will soon appear as we talk about the other side. That is, those who lack wealth. But this widow and her two mites speak even to a lower class citizen than those who lack wealth, impoverished. One, we know that her class of citizenry is she's a widow, which now in that culture can be a professional victim, prone to any man who comes by and tries to figure out how to get the rest of her money. Or if you will, those guys who devour the houses of widows that Jesus made plain. And so she has a, she's the widow who's poor, who has no spokesperson, no security of a husband, no assurance of a second income coming into the house. The widow who comes in and throws in her two mites. So small that it made no audible sound. So small that it, it could not be registered on the scale of popularity. So small that it probably just rolled down. Where the only one that may have noticed her was her, and the only one who needed to notice her the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's put, let's put it in a real context, you know, because this widow now who is in a place where there apparently is abundance, there's apparently people who are dressed in finery that was available in this time with their robes and jewelry and things and pouring in money into these tubes and making loud noise and letting the whole world know how rich I am. And she comes in a woman in a man's world, putting in virtual nothing. So here's the contrast that we have. Her courage to give what she has in a situation where what she gives may not look like it's appropriate, according to the crowd. You see, oftentimes we We can make people feel like they can't come to the church because of the way they're dressed. We can often make people feel like they can't be part of what we do because of the class of living that they're in. Now, I'm not saying that this is something that we do intentionally. Of course not. But there is the reality of perception. So the courage of this woman to walk into this place where if you look by observation and sound, she may not so clearly belong. But see, the thing I noticed about this woman is that she had a single-minded focus. A single-minded focus. Not distracted by what people were going to think about her offering. Not distracted by what her offering actually was. 
but knew that she wanted to make this offering to her Lord. And if we look in verse 44, Jesus described this as this, and they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. That term, even all her living, in the Greek is the word bion. Bion is the root word for our English word biology, which means life. Things needed to sustain life. The implication that Jesus says here, she said, look, she just didn't throw in two cents. She just didn't throw in a couple coins. She threw in all that she had to live on in the existence that she knew it. So what that means is she got up that morning. I have this. Am I going to pay for medicine? Am I going to pay my rent? Am I going to pay my car note? Am I going to buy something to wear? Or am I going to give this to God? That was the decision she made. That is the extent of the decision she made because she gave all of her existence. So these are characters. This is the context. So what does all this mean? What does this come down to? So Christ comes, he says, you know, she gave more than all of these people combined. He said combined. Not more than this person and that person, but not as much as this person. She gave more than all of the people combined. How can that be? How can that be when it's clear that she only gave two mites or pennies on the dollar? It can be because the accounting system of God is not the accounting system of man. The accounting system of God is not the accounting system of man. Where we are is we look at volume. God looks at this word called sacrifice. It's sacrifice. That's what counts. It's sacrifice. See, many of us are looking for and even doing what we believe that God's will is for our life. In our ministries, giving, serving, but if it's done without sacrifice, then it's worthless. It means nothing to God. See, because we can function out of our talents. We can function out of our, we can function out of our experiences. For some people, it's nothing to get up and speak publicly. For others, it's traumatic. For some people, it's nothing to share the gospel. For others, it's stressful. For some people, it's nothing to give hundreds of dollars. For others, it's hard. You see, it's not about giving up the latte 
where you can rebudget that. It's not about, I'll wait till next week to buy a new suit. It's about, if I give this money up, I may not get it back. I may not get another opportunity for it. And you go into it knowing that. See, if it's done without sacrifice, it's worthless. You know, I quote this all the time because this is a verse I, I like to think I live by. But in 2 Samuel, when David went to get the land to build the temple for God, he went to a, a ruinous threshing floor to buy this land. And he approached the ruin and said, Arun, I need this land to build God's temple. And of course, Arun's response was, you can have it. That and everything you need because it's for God. See, Ruin was going to sacrifice his land and everything he needed. And David replied, no, no, no. No, no, no. I must pay you for it because I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. But let me give you a bigger example of sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. A sacrifice. Because he knew he wasn't going to get it back. Hebrews says Jesus so loved that he took on the form of a man so that we can understand who he was. And to go through all the pains and pangs of humanity to suffer on the cross the most hideous death at the time so that we might be saved. A sacrifice. That's what counts. So, what's the challenge we have? What do we walk away with from this? What is your actual sacrifice? You see, I believe this goes beyond money. I believe it goes beyond money. What is your actual sacrifice? Will you, what are you willing to give up to advance the kingdom? But let's not look at it in such great pictures like that. Let's not look at it in such esoteric terms. What are you willing to give up to bring one person closer to Christ? Can you sacrifice your time to give it up? Can you sacrifice your emotions? Can you sacrifice your comfort? Can you sacrifice your pride? We all like to think we can do that. But sometimes it's that thing that gets in the way and says, look, I'm not going down there to do that. Can you sacrifice your reputation to let the world know that you are a Christian regardless of what's going on around you? See, what are you willing to sacrifice? See, because anything else you're doing in the name of God that does not cost you anything, that is not a painful thing, that does not have some feeling to it, 
may mean nothing. Was it not Paul and Corinthians listed all these things? That if you do this, that if you're kind, if you're patient, long-suffering, but you have not love, it means nothing. See, because love is a sacrificial statement. It is a verb, not a noun. It is an action, not a feeling. Love is a sacrificial statement. Because Christ even said to his disciples, if you love me, feed my sheep. So I leave you with this. What is your actual sacrifice? Is it bound up because of the crowd? Is it hidden because it's uncomfortable? Or is it simply not done because it costs too much? Each and every man has the purposes of his heart, must come to the conclusions that God has driven him to him. Father, how we thank you for these moments in your word, Lord. We ask that you will recondition our hearts so that we may be repurposed to do those things that you've caused us to do. Father, point out those things to each and every one of us that we are holding back from giving to you totally. Show us those things that are keeping us distant from you, Lord, so that we may walk in a true peace and fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.